Let's meet our newest sponsor, Max One. Max One is the all-in-one coaching app that allows you to bring your team to train, communicate, and stay organized all in one easy-to-use spot. One thing I love about Max One is the convenience of every feature. You can easily create individualized workouts for each player on your team with videos attached to each workout and deliver them to your athletes' phones, eliminating spreadsheets and paper handouts. Staying true to being an all-in-one platform, the communication features really can't be beat. Giving you the ability to send messages to athletes, coaches, and even parents with the touch of a button. Calendars can also be loaded into Max One, allowing you to organize your program with color-coded schedules and events. With my experience as a coach, I know the importance of the athlete-coach connection. Max One gives any coach at any level a way to start showing up where athletes are spending up to six hours a day with their eyes fixed on their phone. I was blown away by not only the number of tools offered by Max One, but the seamless ease of use. After talking with the Max One team, I can tell they share that my same passion for helping coaches and athletes get better. With a team of former coaches and athletes, Max One brings valuable expertise to a place of need in the coaching community. I've seen the value of Max One can bring to your program. I wouldn't want you to miss this awesome platform. To see if Max One would be a good fit for your program, head to their website at gomaxone.com and schedule a free 15-minute demo with a Max One program specialist. Mention that Coach Brendan Sir sent you and receive a special 10% off if you decide to purchase this already affordable platform. Again, visit www.gomaxone.com right now to schedule your free demo and you won't be disappointed. Remember, gomaxone.com. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir. And I'm so excited today uh, because we're going to introduce Chris Oliver, who many of you have heard on our podcast know about. Uh, saw him at Coaching You, our VIP event last year in Las Vegas. He's joined us, joined our faculty at Coaching You on our Coaching You on Campus program. This is a program that's very dear to my heart, having done it for the last couple of years, where I would go out and visit with some of the best schools in the country and spend a day or two on campus with them, some of the best basketball schools in the country. And now that I'm going to be coaching this year, I wanted to also bring something very innovative to us. So Chris Oliver has joined our faculty, and he'll be doing Coaching You on Campus, sharing his ideas. Now, this is a program for MBA teams, for WNBA teams, and for college programs. We've priced it at a point that is a bargain because you're going to get one of the world-class leaders in coaching to come in and devote himself to you and your staff for one or two days. So if you want him there for one day, it's $5,000 plus expenses. Two days is $7,500 plus expenses. Now, I've also done programs in the past myself for small college. And you know what we did? We got a bunch of college coaches that all chipped in to get that at a price. And you know what? I understand we're not, you know, it doesn't have to be one school, but that's what his fee has to be to make it work for him. And, and we're so excited. It will be the ultimate bargain for you as a learner for your staff 
just think about bringing a world-class speaker to your program. We started John Gordon now 10, 11 years ago, and he started doing it. Now you get John to come to your campus, which many of you do. It's twenty or $25,000 for an hour. Okay, this is a bargain that's going to really take you to another level. So if you want to have him come, please contact us at coachingyoulive.com slash Oliver or contact Zach Kendrick at coachingyoulive.com. Z-A-C-H-K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K at coachingyoulive.com. Zach will handle all of Chris's bookings and his schedule. So make sure we do that because he's going to be in huge demand. We've already had several folks reach out to us and they're very excited. So I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation by giving you a little all access into what he's going to do when you hear him come to your campus. So after this time out, you're going to hear Chris. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce someone who we've had before on our podcast, but also introduce for the first time as our newest faculty member, Chris Oliver, the CEO, president of Basketball Immersion 
out of Canada and temporarily. And uh, and what I'm really excited about, Chris has joined us as you know on our coaching you on campus program, uh, as well as doing you know you know most of our events across the country. And the reason that uh, we've done this is that I just think he. Uh, can provide things that are so much needed in coaching, a new approach, a new way of thinking to a game that's not being thought in a modern uh, term. So, Chris, welcome, my friend. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for the opportunity. I mean, I have such a passion for education, and uh, certainly coaching education is the main focus. So the synergy with working with you and coaching you is just tremendous. So I'm very honored and humbled to be able to have this opportunity. Well, here's the thing that uh, as a college coach, uh, you know, from relatively soon through the end of September, uh, college coaches focus on how do we get our players better, commonly called player development at the NBA level, the players that are not playing in the playoffs, the players during the summer, uh, they voluntarily voluntarily can come to their practice facility and also, uh, work on their games. And so the big thing there, uh, for them is that what do I teach them? Is it about, is it about rebounding shots? Is that player development? Is it about passing the ball to a guy standing still and shooting? We don't think so. And so what I want to do today is I want to challenge our brothers and sisters in coaching at the highest level, college and pro uh, mainly, to rethink their approach to education, to learning that they're doing with their players. And that's what I think Chris's greatest strength is, and that's what he's taught me, and I'm on chapter one of learning from him. So I've been doing this thing 45 years, and I, in the last 25 years, I've seen no one, no one in coaching that has stimulated my thinking to get better than Chris Oliver. So Chris, let's talk about some of the ideas that you would do uh, if you were working on, let's say, you know, we're going to, you know, we're recommending to all the schools that uh, want to bring you in to bring you in for a minimum of one day. And if they're smart, two days. Okay. So what would you what would you want to do in those in that time frame with them? Well, the most important thing in any of these situations is to come in and we're not there to change anything. We're there to help everything get better. And that's really the main focus of the ideas that I've learned and that I've been able to share, certainly through basketball immersion through the last few years, but uh, also through my sabbatical when I had a chance to travel the world. I got a chance to study these ideas in depth as well and to confirm a lot of things. But the idea is that I can add value to drills, to, to, to plays, to the way we teach, how we teach, those different things through a lot of evidence-based practice ideas. So the application of skill acquisition, motor learning ideas, which are all research-based, but not the research, the practical application of the research. And that's really where I've spent the last 25 years of my coaching career. Obsessed is probably the best word Mm -hmm. with the application, the practical value of this. Because again, there's so much stuff thrown out there to coaches. And look, I mean, they're juggling a lot of different things. So how can they possibly keep up to date on the research and all these different things? Well, what I've been able to do is to just really focus in on how to practically apply those things. So that's the goal, whether it comes to, you know, how we develop players, how we develop systems, how we run a better practice, all those different things, drill makeovers, the application of small-sided games, 
decision training. So how to apply more decision training to practices and drills, all those different things would be part of my approach in terms of that. You know, one of the biggest things, uh, uh, you know, and, and people have gotten this education from us at coaching you in working with uh, Gen Z uh, players, you know, kids from 18 to 23, 24 years old. Uh, and then if you're even into the pro players, is how to connect to these people. And one way to connect to them is not to bore them. <laughs> and it's to give them things that excite them, to make them, to make, stimulate them that they want to learn. That's what I think has been so refreshing when I watch you work with players, how excited they are because you're teaching them something new. Uh, give me the ideas on, on a couple of things, but uh, on your, uh, just the simple thing of your BDT shooting um, approach. So, yeah. So again, like it, it's kind of, it's not like we're teaching them something new in terms of the skill, but we're teaching them in a new way is the way to look at it. And a way that leads to the goal of all this is to lead to increased retention meaning they retain the information we teach them, and then increase transfer, meaning the things transfer to the game. And that's really the goal of anything that we teach as coaches is that it happens in the game that what we teach we know is connected to the game, but also what we teach happens in the game. So BDT shooting is a basic example. Coach, sir, I put you at the, I say, go to the elbow, shoot 10 shots in a row. You shoot 10 shots in a row from the elbow. This becomes blocked practice. This becomes mindless, meaning your first three shots, you have to think a little bit. But after that, you really don't have to think that much. But if we think about, okay, let's make that more random, meaning, and random can come a lot of different ways, but maybe you shoot from different spots, you shoot off different movements, different turns, etc. Then we're making it more random, which means each time you shoot, you have to think. So we're heightening, heightening mental effort for a player. So they have to think. So why do players enjoy this stuff more, I find? is because we engage them more. We engage them in thinking. We challenge them more that there's immediate loads. Well, that's a simple version. When we actually go full BDT shooting, we actually add decision cues. So if I have my hands out, you pass back. If my hands are down, you shoot. Well, there's about seven, eight variations of that where we can now train them shooting, but train them in a random way where the skills we increase thinking, so we increase retention, and then we're also doing these things that happen in a game, which is you have to think in a game before you actually execute this, the skill. So the de decision comes before the skill. So that type of thing we're trying to connect and bring it back together. So that's why we find that players enjoy it, because they find that they're, they're practicing in a game-like way, but also in an engaging way mentally. You told me, uh, you know, at one of our sessions that uh, – you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it was the 2012 Olympics or the 2016 about the research that was done based on uh, the contested shots. Can you share that? Yes, coach. The The study was done in the 2012 Olympics uh, by Stacker and Gorman. And what they did is they found that in those Olympics, over the course of every shot taken throughout the men's competition, 15% of the shots were what they considered uncontested. So that means 85% of the time players were having to shoot the ball with a defender coming at them and making them change their shot in some way. 
And again, when we talk about changing their shot, some people think, well, that's like you're moving. No, it could be just the speed. It could be the rhythm, right? It could be the arc. It could be these really fine variables as well as bigger variables in terms of actually having to take a dribble before you shoot, whatever that may be. So what that says to me is, again, like us shooting these mindless shots repetitively over and over again. Look, there's value to them in initial learning, which most of the people we're talking about were beyond that. But the other part, there's value. There's some value to building confidence, right? If you're struggling with your shot, we go say, hey, shoot a bunch of block shots. But beyond that, it doesn't help. It doesn't help us transfer any of those shots to a game. Because as you saw, saw with this study, 85% of the time you have to make some type of decision or some type of change to your shot prior to shooting because of a live defender. So what we wanted to do is what you've added to player development that I think is so essential is many times to do things with a defender on you so that you have to make a decision and react, correct? Totally. I mean, I mean, the only pure decision-making is offense versus defense. Now, that can, be, that can go through right. different stages. We can control it. It can be guided. It can be live. You know, there can be a little bit of a script to it. But basically, that's decision-making. So BDT shooting is a bridge between no defense and then live defense. I think I I th- I think that's one of the, the most incredible things that I have seen and learned that changed the way and and a lot of my peers in the NBA were thinking the same way when they saw it and heard it for the first time and it was an aha moment for us but you and I are in total agreement on what we call a game a games approach to coaching explain that to us well the simple way of thinking about it is that we coach players while they play the game so if we think about practice we think about this practice usually as these these really scripted organized drills and what we know about that is that in these scripted drills there's no decision making like if there's pre-prescribed things for players to do and they they have to do them then that's not decision making and that's not game like so a game's approach essentially says, okay, we take something, let's give a simple scenario. We're going to play five on five. We're going to play five on five, three trips starts from a half court possession and then goes to full court possessions from there within that five on five, instead of doing a drill to break down these things, I'm going to coach the things that I want to coach and the focus on that drill or the focus on that day. But as you'll find when you use a game's approach is that you'll find that, well, one, it improves your, your game coaching because you're coaching the game in practice. And I get asked that a lot. I'm sure you do too. How do I improve as a game coach? Well, make your practices like a game. Coach more in practice. And then the second thing is that it immediately gives context to your players about what actually happens in the game. So if I'm stopping them in transition because a player didn't hit ahead, then we'll say something like, okay, hold or foul is actually our term. And then we'll usually say something like recreate. So we go recreate the situation. And then with questions or with guidance, then we probe for solutions that would exist within the game and say, what might be a better decision? Or what do I feel we should have looked at? These different things. So we're coaching within the context of the game. That's essentially what a game's approach is. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's the biggest gap that we have nowadays. I mean, uh, you know, here's my, here's my thing. And this is where I think your incredible value comes into a coach today. Uh, the coach that has a good job at any level and is that what I think we need to do is most of us have been coached by someone. And if we have a lot of experience, if a coach as a coach, if I've been coaching 10, 15, 20 years, I then was coached by someone 
before that. So in theory, my theory is that many of us are teaching things that are sometimes 20, 25 years old or have been do- we've been doing for that length of time. Trust me, the game has changed. The world has changed. The, most importantly, the people have changed. So you're doing absolutely the, the things that want to, that don't engage people, don't challenge them. But more importantly, we're not teaching the right things at the right speed. It'd be like, uh, you know, going to a payphone and, uh, you know, going to the old phone booth and saying, let's make a call. Well, there aren't any anymore. Well, then, you know, why are we teaching the same way? Let's speed up our teaching. Well, you have to go to school. You have to learn. And the problem is we want to develop players, but yet what are we doing from a coaching development standpoint? That's why I think this is so important, Chris. Well, it's great. And you're absolutely right that everything changes, coach. I mean, the game's changed so much, but the way we teach it hasn't. And that's exactly what you're saying. That the, the way that we taught the game is still essentially the same you know, as it was 20 years ago. And, you know, that, that's part of what we try and bring, you know, part of that, part of that process of understanding within what you do already, how can you coach better? How can you connect better to this generation of players? Almost like gamification of coaching is what we talk about in terms of being able to approach it from this generation, as you said already. Well, you know, uh, one, let's, uh, let's really, uh, wow some folks with some ideas let's what is small-sided uh, games what does that mean so it's a method so traditionally we would take uh, our offense or our defense and we break it down a lot of, a lot of that to on air meaning without defense and what small-sided games are is essentially instead of breaking it down and this isn't a new concept but it's it's something that again within what we do it's finding a way instead of creating uh, small sided games, yeah, three and three situation or four and four three situation where players get more touches in isolation of what you do. We make sure that that's exactly what happens in the game for your team. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in doing a small sided games that does that doesn't connect to what you do. And I find that a lot. I find even though coaches use some three on three to get more touches or to get more situations, they don't connect it to what they actually do. It's just this drill that's independent of actually what they run or what they do on defense. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is the four and four shell drills that teams do. And I've rarely seen a team come down with two guards, two forwards in the corner and pass the ball around while the defense moves, or they dribble into a gap and they pass the ball to the next man. It doesn't happen yet. We teach that at every level year after year. Why? Because it was taught to me. And I remember the first coaching clinic I ever, Bob Knight was 25 years old and I learned it from him. And I'm saying, that's not good if it's something we're doing 70, 60 years later for crying out loud. And that's what, you know, and he learned that from Al Lababo, you know, please. (laughs) So, you know, I love this concept. Coach, it's a great example. It's a perfect example. And it, you know, the shell drill might be like an initial load. That might be like first teaching. You're teaching a foundation, right? Yeah. But after that, it becomes, again, mindless. It becomes repetitive. It becomes scripted. They know the answers. So instead, you've got to create some variability, some randomness to it, where players have to think and make decisions. Again, on defense, you're just, it's just as important you know how to make decisions on defense as it does on offense. So we've got to create those conditions in practice. I, I want to tease with this. What's zero-second skill training? I love this. <laughs> well, zero-second skills training is, 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 again, skills training, but related to that there's no predetermined decision on the catch. There's no pause on the catch. 
And again, it's, it's kind of thinking about triple threat. Well, mm-hmm. we don't talk about triple threat. We talk about one threat. And generally our one threat for, for the way that we coach and certainly the way the modern game's played is the one threat is shoot. <laughs> Everyone should catch it to shoot. And then you play off of that. So who determines you're not going to shoot? Well, in my example, it's not the coach. It's not the player because he's catching it with a mindset to shoot. It's his decision based on the defense and in some cases based on where his teammates are. So talking about making a good to great pass, an extra pass, something like that. But that's really the decision-making process. So we try and teach skills, again, that happen in the game. And a coach, I challenge everyone to think, like, like, we teach things all the time that we think happen as coaches. But when you actually watch players, they don't actually do that. Like there's so many examples of that within practice that, oh, okay, we got to teach it this way, right? First step I find is one of those things. The first step you, you catch the ball and then you're going to go into a dribble. And I think a lot of coaches break it down like this coaching clinic where you have to take this big step and this dribble this far outside your body and get your head and shoulders past this guy. You know what? I watch and rarely does that happen that way. It's a completely different skill when players actually just play. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of zero seconds. What is, I love this phrase, messy learning. <laughs> well, that's it. That's the game. I mean, the game is messy. And I, I, I had an ACC assistant coach tell me that over 21% of their possessions were in unstructured moments. And think about that at different levels. I mean, the numbers yeah. higher or lower in different leagues, different numbers, and relative to who you play. Like some teams make you play messier than others. But but that's the point is in those flow moments where you have to figure things out and you don't can't follow a script. Do your players know how to play in those moments? And really, at the end of the day, this is we're not talking about motion. We're talking about literally the defense takes away something. Do we pull it out and run another set and let the defense reorganize? Or do we know how to flow from there so it could be missed shot offense it could be transition offense it could be just again within your flow they take something away and now you're in this other state of trying to figure out how to really be able to take advantage of things and that's the way if we think about this games approach you think about bdt you think about adding decision making that's not going to create a perfect practice it's going to create a messy practice and messy is actually how you learn because you've got to make these new connections. And that's what learning is. Learning is making new connections. So that's a really big part of this process too, is that as a coach, you become comfortable knowing that your practice doesn't have to look perfect. And coach, here's the main thing. If your players can do something perfect, then that means they're no longer learning. They can already do it. So it's our goal to constantly challenge and load in practice. So practice is constantly filled with mistakes and what we call messy learning. I think most close NBA games and most of these playoff games come down to who can perform and execute better when messy learning happens. There's no question. Can they find the advantage within the flow? Yes. Can they find the advantage within the flow and, and hopefully find it without having to, again, I, again, I'm, I'm all for isolation. I'm all for the best player attacking, but can you find it without having to slow the game down to find that matchup? Exactly. Right? Or to have that matchup slow it down and that type of thing. And, and the quicker you can find that flow, obviously, the better advantage you have before the defense gets to set. Chris, what does the term time on task mean to you? 
this is such a huge one. And I studied, this was a conscious thing when I traveled around the world. I went to 50 practices from the NBA to pro professional basketball in Europe to high school to, you know, club ball all over the world, different levels of basketball. And I studied this concept of how active are players actually in learning. And we're not talking about management time. We're not talking about teaching time. We're talking about how much physical practice do players actually get in practice. One drill I remember to give you an example is, is a 10-minute drill. And I pick a player. I actually pick two players. So I made sure that there wasn't any type of you know, initial bias. I pick two players. And I stopwatch is on when they're actually physically doing things. And it's off when they're not. And over the course of this 10-minute, it was a defensive closeout drill. The one player was only active for less than 15 seconds. And the other player was active a little bit more. He was active around 30 to 45 seconds. So essentially one player got one rep in a 10-minute drill. So what I'm obsessed with is making sure that we maximize our time so we don't have to waste the player's time, the coach's time. And I just find, I mean, you've seen it, Coach, more than anyone. Go to watch some of these practices. They're so long. But how many reps are players actually getting? If we increase the intensity and drop the duration, I feel that we get more benefit within a practice than if we keep a long duration and then drop the intensity. A little bit of a pet peeve for me, um, you know, having been in the NBA and been around, you know, going to scout college teams, I would be get the opportunity to go in and watch a practice and the coach would actually brag to me, we're going to go three hours today. And I immediately, <laughs> I shouldn't have done it, said, yeah. oh, shit whoa, you know, why are we doing this to these poor kids, you know? And I, I learned something when my, when I was living in Detroit and I was coaching the Pistons and I had my uh, 12-year-old son play uh, travel team hockey. And I thought it was so great because we got an hour of ice time. And you should have seen what happened in an hour of practice. Every day, 12-year-olds. And it changed the way I thought about practice from then on. It wasn't, well, and it doesn't, coach, yeah. and it doesn't just apply to on ice. It can apply to video sessions. It can apply to just again, generally think about these are student athletes, but they're student athletes generally that want to get better at basketball. So the other part that goes with that is how can you structure some of their time when they want to work out on their own without a coach present? And that's another thing that I'm really, really big on is teaching players how to develop and work out on their own in the absence of a coach. Mm -hmm. And that applies to this. Because again, not all of it. And again, I, I mean, you can say it, coach. Not all players develop because of a coach, right? A oh, lot of them were led by themselves. Thank God my players didn't develop because of me. Or else that's why they were so good. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. So teaching them how to lead themselves is really important in the process and teaching them how to train on their own. Because I know it, the Division One programs I visited this year, every coach talked about how much their players got in the gym on their own in their free time. Well, again, that's that's something that can be, you know, taught. It can be, you know, helpful to understand a better process about how to do those things on their own. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a really impactful part of it. All right. So now, as we get to when you would go in and uh, work with a coach, I think the most important thing is for that visit with the head coach, and and to make him understand where you're going from before we even educate assistant coaches do you agree on that there's no question there has to be uh, there has to be someone who's a, a believer in what this can do to be able to help the overall program and again that all starts from the leadership of the head coach yeah and 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 it goes back to again uh 
you know, back when we started coaching, we all went to clinics, we all were learning and stuff like that. And for some reason, I don't know what's happened in the last 10 years or so, the college coach, he speaks at clinics, but he doesn't attend clinics. And so that's okay. That's okay. And as one of our dear coaching friends said, if you're relying on Twitter, or the internet, to get a new offense or a new play, no offense to basketball immersion or coaching you, we both do it. <laughs> yeah. That ain't the place to go and develop your new offensive schemes. It's something to stimulate your thinking and get you going and maybe to pick up an idea. But you need to immerse yourself in learning of how to get better because we want our players to be so engaged in developing and getting better. But what about us? And that's my biggest fear is that at every level, high school, college, and pro, when we get to that spot, that's when that's when the learning should almost start. That's when you need to go for your advanced degree to now get more learning because at the college and professional level, and if you're coaching an incredible high school program, you're dealing with all advanced placement AP students, I call them, in that sport. And those guys don't settle for mediocrity, those students. They want excellence. And our job is to deliver excellence on a daily basis. Some of your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, if, let's start with the coaching clinic concept, which is, is really important. And that's another that's another thing is that some of these some coaches clinics are very passive, right? Where you just sit there and you listen. And I, I, like none of what I would do would be passive. It would be all interactive in that process of, look, sure, I would sometimes have to present ideas, but I would present them in short bursts and then use what's called a pause procedure, which is this procedure of you're not there taking notes, but within the pause, then you take in the information, you write it down. And then even going further that you have these debrief sessions where play, uh, coaches in this example, get to interact with the material a little bit and discuss it and say, okay, so what did I learn and why does that matter and what's important? And then it allows you to kind of reframe, re-question, come back to it, and then really spend time diving deep into the subject. And that's your main point there is that very little time in a coach's day do they spend really diving deep. I mean, grabbing a play from Twitter, great, but What's the depth of that? What's the depth of the teaching? And that's that's another thing that comes, I think, with being able to work with me is that I've had the advantage of coaching within the international game for a very long time. So I've been exposed to the the FIBA game or the international game, whatever it may be. And, and the way the games evolved overseas and the way the games evolved in a lot of different places is very different than that's particularly where it's evolved in the NCAA in terms of how they play. But you know, whether it's false actions, it's masking actions, it's some defensive concepts, it's it's a little less rigidity in terms of the system and a little bit more scouting report focus, whatever that concept may be, there's a difference. So being able to kind of stimulate thinking in those ways is just as important. Yeah, I think that this is what we need to get to uh, as, a, as a coaching tip, as a, you know, like if you you know, to, to make you really think about what you're doing. I, I having coached for going on my 46 year of coaching, I am, I feel just starting to get better. I know next year I got to have more of my game than I've ever had before. Okay. And so I think when you, when you approach it with a mindset of growth, that's what I'm, that's what we're talking about. Your players should have a mindset of growth, but 
you as a coach should sit there and say, how can I be better? Not how many games I won or how many championships or how many playoffs or tournaments we've gone to, but how can I get better? And that's what I think what we're trying to do, Chris, by having you go on campus with these men and women coaches that are saying, here's something to think about. Let me stimulate your thinking, correct? Coach, I've coached in a, in a, relatively speaking to a lot of these coaches, a lower pressure environment. So it's not just I, I think these things, I've tried these things. Like I've gone through a year and said, we're not going to do any drill without defense the whole year. And I've experimented with these ideas and I've spent time with them. So part of it is, yeah, being able to extend these ideas to not just, hey, say, okay, this is a theory. This is a practice. This is something that's worked. And ultimately, the valuation I constantly come back to, and, and I don't know how that's done in the NCAA, I don't know how it's done in the NBA, but I constantly ask my players and say, hey, does this make sense? Is this something that you enjoy? Like, are you enjoying this type of practice? Are you enjoying learning this? It's different things. And ultimately, the more we engage our players in the learning process and make them active participants in their learning, the more valuable it would be. So that's the first thought that came up when you just mentioned that. Is that just, just again, I get it. I mean, coaching at the highest level is about winning. And this, these concepts, I believe, can not only help your players be more engaged in practice, they can increase their learning, but it can also make it more fun for you as a coach. And practice really is that time where you and I, we know, I mean, we love practice. It's the most fun. And you, you become better as a coach when you coach in this games approached zero seconds basketball decision training philosophy. Every day when we talk, uh, you teach me something. But I remember when I went to the Pistons and I'm working with who I think is, you know, top one, two, three, four, whatever you want to rank them, uh, coaches of all time, Chuck Daly. And I, I had been trained under UB Brown, Mike Fratello. So, I mean, I am, I'm loaded, man. I got, I, I got the, I, I'm educated. And all of a sudden I go to Chuck and it's all of a sudden like I'm now in a doctoral program. And I'm at another level because this cat is so smart and he's so engaging, but he's not forcing one thing, nor does he act like he's got the best ideas, but it's just, you see it happening every day. So I'm going into a shoot around with him. One of the first shoot arounds I do there. And I've got the best defensive team in the NBA. I've got Joe Dumars. I've got Dennis Rodman. I got Bill Lambier, Rick Mohorn, Isaiah Thomas, you know, and John Sally off the bench. So I got all these phenoms defensively. And a simple thing comes up. I'm going to show how we want to defend uh, that night, the pick and roll. And, and our approach was mainly to hard hedge all pick and rolls. That was our base defense. And yeah. We would make uh, adjustments based on how the game was going after that and how, what players were hurting us. So as I go to start to show it, and I'm ready to say, and here's how we'll defend it. Chuck all of a sudden steps in, and he looks at Dumars, and he looks at Lambier, and he stops me, and he says, how do you guys want to defend this tonight? I had never at that point <laughs> ever had a coach ask a player how they wanted to defend something. It was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen in coaching, and now it's a staple of mine because that player's opinions – count if you don't feel their opinions count you totally disengage them and you know what if it doesn't work 
you know what? You can make an adjustment, but let them participate. Let them have ownership in it. And I said, wow, this, that was an unintentional. He didn't say, hey, this is how we do it here. It just organically happened. But I think you, you're right. Get them involved. Ask them questions. Get their feedback. You'll become a better coach. And the other thing well, I want to... I'm sorry, Sorry, Chris. Coach. Just, just to add to that, like a huge part of leadership that I've learned from, from business leaders, teachers, coaches, is make it seem like their idea. Mm-hmm. Like Whether it is or not, I mean, that's part of the manipulation of coaching. It, it, you know, we don't... We don't always, even if we ask them, we don't always apply what they say, but we always, the good ones make it seem like it was their idea because then it builds more buy-in. Guess what? If they tell you this is how they want to do it, they will try to make it work better than if it's your idea that might be sounder that they don't believe in. They'll make sure it does not work. Okay. (laughs) I've been there too. They'll make sure it doesn't work, even though you've watched 10 times more film than them and you figure out this is the way to do it, their buy-in has and their belief in you has to come from that. So that's a coaching tip, folks, to take home on. And my last thing uh, for us is that coaching is about taking players where they can't take themselves. That's why you have a coach. That's why you need to keep getting better. That's why we do this. Uh, coaching you is not about me coaching a team and not about Chris coaching a team. What we're doing is we're trying to help coaches all over the world get better that are really committed to coaching. And so, Chris, I'm so excited for you to go out and uh, to embark on coaching you on campus. You're going to be incredible on it. I think every coach that has you in is just going to love it, and uh, and I'm so excited. Well, as am I, Coach, and uh, thank you for the opportunity and, uh, you know, any coaches. I mean, I look forward to sharing the game and helping – helping coaches develop and helping coaches develop their players and their program and be successful. I mean, that's the bottom line with all this. So it's going to be wonderful. And, and it's going to be a great opportunity to be able to help the game. And and if you want to learn more about it, go to coaching you live.com uh, forward slash uh, Oliver, and you'll be able to see all about it. Okay. Coaching you live.com forward slash Oliver. Chris, thanks so much. Can't wait for you to get out there, man. And you're going to crush it. Thanks, Coach. Look forward to it.